In this episode of the RecX podcast, I speak to CEO Jill Palmer from Click Travel, a tech travel business based in Birmingham. What I really enjoyed about this episode was speaking to Jill and understanding not only what they're doing to support their staff um, and in their employees over the last few months during lockdown and how they've evolved back out into the office, but what they're doing to inspire and accommodate young people coming from deprived areas of Birmingham. This episode is really, really inspirational at all levels um, and I encourage you to really listen to what they've been doing over the, not only the last few months but what they're doing to support people and our community moving forward. We hope you enjoy so let's go. Hello and welcome to this uh, special new series of the Reflex podcast and um, today I've got the privilege of speaking to the CEO of Click travel uh jill palmer so welcome jill um you want to go with a quick intro uh to you and and your story okay so yeah i'm jill and i joined click travel in 2012. Uh, click travel is a tech company in business travel so we make um, booking business travel really simple by having everything in one place and all your policy control reporting and crucially now customer safety, traveler safety, um, all in one place. Uh, I joined Click in 2012 as operations director and I was made CEO about four years later. Brilliant, brilliant. And how, um, talk, to, talk to us about the travel industry then because it's, um, it's taken a hit in, in, in obviously the number of different ways. How have um, how trip click travel had to you know deal with that, and, and what has that looked like over the last four months? Yeah, well, um, click travel is interesting because while we deal with customers all over the world, seventy five percent of our bookings are actually domestic. So, uh, and domestic travel was um, slower to be impacted by the pandemic and is also faster to be recovering from the pandemic. So in that sense, if we were going to be in any part of business travel, that was the best place to be. However, having said that, it obviously was a, and has been and still is a very challenging time for anybody who's in travel. Um, At the beginning of the pandemic, uh, it was a bit like trying to stop a fast moving train because we had thousands and thousands of bookings in the system that all our customers wanted to cancel all at once. Mm. And um, we had to support customers relocating them from uh, far flung places and getting them back to the UK safely. Um, We had our engineers on standby, software engineers on standby to write new bits of code as terms and conditions were changing, APIs were changing. And uh, so the whole thing was a tremendous, uh, perfect storm of work and chaos. Um, And then everything just went very quiet um, in the, the middle of lockdown. Um, when you know very few people were doing bookings but at that time we were still booking for key workers we have uh, public sector organizations we have construction companies and people who needed to still get onto their building sites or off to care homes and things like that and so we were supporting them finding them hotels and booking them transport in the most challenging of times because Mm -hmm. A lot of hotels were closed, a lot of content was withdrawn from the platform and we were literally having to support people manually with bookings during that time. 
And now we're coming out of it. We're seeing bookings increase again. Um, we're seeing that, but the challenge then has been adapting and pivoting to the requirements of customers around COVID security. And we've done a lot of work on that, which I'll probably expand on later. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So as a business, let, let's just, just rewind then. So you know, it's that sort of second week of March type thing. Uh, feels like a long time ago, right? And, um, yeah. What, um, what, what did that look like for you guys? Did you guys close up early? Or what, what was your mindset? I remember having a call with the founder of the business on, uh, on a Sunday evening in very early March. And I said, I think this is going to be really bad. And at that point, I'd just been looking at the news about EasyJet and the changes that they were making in response to the pandemic. Mm. And I was thinking, wow, um, we really need to look at this now. Uh, but we had already been telling our staff to work from home where possible. We're a very, we were always a very virtual working advocate. Um, at least 50% of our employees work virtually at all times. So we oh. were able to implement that change very quickly. Um, mm. But I turned down my invitation to the Cheltenham Festival uh, because at the time we were saying to people, don't go to those kinds of events, avoid this um, sort of um, large gatherings and networking at the time, which proved to be the right decision, I think. As a result yeah. of taking these measures, we had very few people in the business contract COVID, so we didn't have a, a sickness problem at all, which was one yeah. of the things we were really quite worried about. Um, yeah. But the day that Boris Johnson said, you know, everybody should work from home uh, within, I remember um, our, one of our IT um, managers was, uh, was on holiday. He jumped in a cab, got over to the office and was handing out laptops to the remaining people who will st were still working in the office. And we, have ev we had everybody virtualized within 45 minutes. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, going back to the Charter Festival, I cannot believe what was happening on that when that did not get cancelled you know it was absolutely mind-blowing um, I, just, I just remember thinking you know and everybody makes their own personal decisions about this sort of thing and i'm not judging anyone with this but i was thinking you know as a leader in the organization we've told people not to attend this type of stuff now yeah. um looking at the mood music and the way this is going i should take a leadership position now and and not go myself and yeah. um, and i'm i'm so pleased I did that, although I have to say I bumped into a colleague, um, not from Click, but elsewhere, um, a, who, uh, who had attended uh, the Cheltenham Festival in the evening, rather worse from, for wear, on the way home, and he gave me a big hug. And <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, I've destroyed all my good intentions there. <laughs> <laughs> By the fact, I've just had this rather um, sort of beer-soaked man give me a huge hug on the way home. But, uh, but I, I didn't catch anything, so I'm pleased to say I was okay. Good, good. You, you mentioned you've obviously got a few members of staff that work remotely anyway. And yep. obviously a lot of people were talking about how, um, you know, COVID's going to really rejuvenate the, the whole remote working um, aspect. As a business, why did you guys adopt that culture pre-COVID in terms of remote working? It was... Uh, we're, we're very much have, and have always been advocates of flexible working and uh, it's very much part of our culture. We've always seen it as a, a, a USP for us. Um, mm. it's, it, we simply couldn't, um, Birmingham is a great place to be and uh, an amazing tech hub, an amazing centre. 
but in order for us to recruit and retain the best people we have to look wider afield than Birmingham yeah. Uh, and we found that it was an absolutely fantastic um, recruitment uh, opportunity for us to offer virtual working um, because we've ingrained virtual working into the organization for many years. I mean, we've been doing this for six, seven, eight years. Um, it's, it's very easy for us to manage and, uh, and control people. Uh, people's workloads within within a virtual environment um, we're very used to it um, we trust people uh, we we know how to manage performance virtually so that was all a very big plus when it came to the covid scenario because actually pretty much everybody in the business had done some element of virtual working before mm. and uh, and we, we were very comfortable with that we're very comfortable with zoom we were already zoom users but i have to say the one the one single tool just to give them a plug <laughs> that i couldn't manage without in terms of virtual working is slack i mean slack yeah. is phenomenal in yeah. terms of the ability to you know engage uh, communicate work with small teams wherever you are you have quick calls absolutely brilliant tool and without slack i think our, our business would be a lot worse today we've uh, we had one of our clients ask us to adopt slack in terms of um, communication channels for us so instead of going through emails they've, yeah. they've integrated their slack channel into their sort of recruitment portal so effectively when a CV drops, it goes straight to those two people on that Slack channel that, that would review that. Um, but they've, they've really been quite clever about it. I mean, it's, it's more than just a communication channel, isn't it? There's a lot more to it in terms of functionality. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, we can do that with customers. So customers who use Slack, we can set up channels with the customer and communicate with them seamlessly. Mm. Uh, I mean, we also do this with Google. Um, we're, we're a total Google, um, Google Docs um uh environment we don't really use microsoft microsoft's a bit of a dirty word in our organization <laughs> but um i sometimes think i'm really not sure i could go back to a microsoft environment i am <coughs> excuse me so used to a um a google environment sharing google docs and it's wonderful for clients who have that and, have that. and we have some clients who work in that way as well and then we can share and collaborate on things and we're very into you know collaboration with our customers and working with them in the way that they want to work really rather yeah. than mandating our way of working on them yeah okay that's really really interesting really interesting one thing i really wanted to pick your brains on um was was obviously lockdown so not just lockdown in terms of you know your staff that lockdown person as you as a leader. Um, we go to your staff first. How did you keep your staff engaged? How are you checking in in terms of their mental well-being? What did that look like for, for Credit Carbon? Yeah, I mean, I think there were there were a lot of things um, that we thought about then. Um, we furloughed a large number of staff as well. So as well as um, staff being locked down and not sort of working uh, in, you know, uh, in the office, uh, as perhaps some of them were before, they were also furloughed. Uh, and we thought very hard about how we were going to keep in contact with those people. Slack again came to our rescue. So we have uh, Slack, furlough, we have furlough Slack as well as ordinary Slack, uh, nice. which allows us to communicate with people who are furloughed um, if they want to be communicated with, some don't, some do, 
um, and we have uh, we have uh, channels where we communicate, um, you know, all together, um, as well as running, uh, you know, daft zoom things like bring your pets to work day via zoom where everybody turns up with their pets um <laughs> virtual quizzes and and all that kind of stuff plus the more serious element of this which is your mental well-being mm. um i mean there's a couple of things i'd say about that the first is you know as a leader i'm a strong uh, believer in that saying fit your own gas mask before helping others it's so important that you pay attention to your own mental health and well-being during times like this um, and certainly just making sure the basics are there that you're eating while you're exercising you're getting and getting sleep but although sleep is difficult when things are very challenging but you know trying to get just reinforce those basics in your own life and then in terms of supporting our our employees i mean we have dedicated mental health first aiders um, in the yeah. organization we run and we carried that on throughout. We've run mental health drop-in centers with those first aiders monthly, furloughed staff can join, non-furloughed staff can join. Um, and then we, um, you know, we've, we've continued with our employee assistance line, which is 247365, where you can get dedicated um, support and, and, and coaching and counseling through that. So that's been an incredibly important part of it. The other thing that I would say is it's it's interesting to you know see how people react to being furloughed. Um, yeah. We've had people in tears over being asked to be furloughed, um, and then we've had other people who've gone, you know what? I've got children at home. I've got the dog, the husband, the kids. I just can't work, <laughs> and so you know they they're quite relieved to be furloughed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, don't assume for one minute that being furloughed is fun. You know, we furloughed all our staff until we introduced, for, for, for the first stage of the furlough scheme, until the part-time working came in, we furloughed all our staff on full pay. So we knew that we needed to continue to support and engage the engineering team at Click, who are so important to our development. And so we paid everybody, including all the software engineers, in full uh, throughout the whole of that time. And but, you know, it, it, it's sort of counterintuitive, isn't it? When you say to somebody, would you like to sit at home in the sunshine on full pay for a few months? Um, you know, in, in, and conceptually, you'd think people would think that was quite a nice idea. But yeah. actually, you know, you have to treat people as individuals and some people will think that's wonderful. And some people for some people it'd be the most anxiety inducing thing that you could ask them to do. Um, and then I think the other thing is then asking them to return to work um, is also interesting because they've then got to do a gear change again. Uh, we, the people, there's been a core team, a very small core team of people who've worked throughout this period, um, myself included, and uh, we're, we're, in a, we're in a sort of, um, as a sort of mode uh, and a mode of working. Um, you then have to be very careful about burnout because some people have worked flat out since March, uh, which yeah. is another pattern. But then they ring, they ring a colleague up and say, you know, could you come to work on Monday? Um, and they'll go, oh, well, I'll, I'll need to have a think about that. And it's like, well, no, actually, you, you do actually work here. And we, <laughs> we would actually like you to just come in and do your job. But actually, again, you have to be sympathetic to the fact that if they've, they've actually not worked for, you know, several months, the shock of coming back into the working environment 
Um, I, I quite often say anybody who's been on maternity leave will know how this feels actually. Um, mm. The disorientation you feel having been out of the business for a while and then being asked to come back in and sort of start, you know, going at 90 miles an hour again is a shock. So we've had to put in place new induction courses, mini induction courses for people coming back off furlough to reorientate them into the business. Um, wow. so all these things that you have to think about, which you, you didn't really think you'd ever have to plan for, really. No, but the fact that you guys have been thinking about that, I think it's amazing. I mean, the fact oh. that you've got a furlough, Slack channel. Yeah. Know, the amount of horror stories I've heard of businesses that have literally just left their furlough staff just in oblivion, you know, not yeah. no communication, nothing. Yeah, we've had um, monthly Q&As as well, where we've all got together and I've, I've done a session which is just very open. Anybody can join. We've had huge engagement at those sessions, you know, sort of 80% of the workforce joining. And it's an ask us anything. It's myself, some senior people in the team. We give a bit of an update, but most of it is given over to questions. And we say, you know, literally ask me anything. There's no question I'm frightened of. Um, you know, these times are uncertain and I'm not going to lie. This is, this is not an easy time. We will get through it. We are going to be stronger for it. But when, you know, you, you're living and breathing it. But uh, I think that's helped as well. It's, you can never over communicate with your team. Um, and then it's about organising things that are, are you know, that where people feel they can contribute. I mean, we've most recently um, done a series of work experience, uh, virtual work experience workshops for um, kids aged between 15 and 18, particularly reaching out to uh, disadvantaged areas of Birmingham and schools and colleges of disadvantaged areas. And that, uh, those workshops have mostly been put together by furloughed staff who volunteered to um, create these workshops for these kids um, during their furlough time. Um, and they've just got so much out of that and so much out of giving something back to the community during this time. Yeah, I, I really, I wanted to touch on that actually, um, because I saw, I saw a post over the weekend on it. Um, so how, how did that work? Just, you know, this whole virtual work experience thing is, mm. you know, I think, I think a lot of people are, are really interested in, in, in really getting involved in a similar setup where possible. But what, what did that look like and, and how, did that, how did that work? It was so interesting because you know it was it had been buzzing around my head for a while. I want to do something for for kids during this time, yeah. um, but I but I just thought you know what I just don't know if I can find the time and make it work. But I bounced it around and socialised it around a few pe people at work, and um, and I said I just want to do a work experience scheme similar to being in the office, but you know virtual. And they said that's not going to work because it's just going to be boring as anything. What you do is do a workshop, a workshop day where people can, we do we produced a, a, a range of workshops and people can pick and choose what workshops they want to attend throughout the day. So, yeah. um, and they attend in groups of sort of four or five, uh, it's very interactive. And then, so, you know, depending on your interest, we've had done workshops in coding in sales, sales marketing, uh, customer service and then in, at lunchtime we did a drop-in Q&A session with our graduates so we run a graduate scheme called Clickstart um, and we recruit graduates every year for that scheme and some of our recent grads um, agreed to do a Q&A for these uh, kids during the work during the lunch period where just to talk to them about you know the experience of working what you can learn from it how you know what what were the things they did 
before joining Click that helped them to get their, their job here, what our assessment centre was like, and so much you can learn from that. Um, and then we have an, an opening session and a closing session and a feedback. And uh, yeah, so it's just, you know, signing up to it uh, via Zoom. We had a dedicated web page, gave everybody a bespoke timetable uh, according to their interests. Um, it was amazing. I mean, you learn so much about doing these things. We will definitely do this again. I mean, now we've written most of the materials as well. It's easily replicable. And, um, you know, the, the difference you can make to kids' lives, it's, but the, it's challenging. I'll tell you the challenging thing. The challenging thing is reaching disadvantaged children. Yeah. Because I can guarantee, I mean, I put that on LinkedIn, Daniel, and the amount of people that contacted me via LinkedIn saying, can I sign, you know, people I know from my network saying, can I sign my son up? Can I sign my daughter up? My friends were contacting me. And I thought, that's all great. But actually what I really want to do is I want to do something for the people who perhaps don't have the parents who are thinking of them all the time because they're, you know, working six jobs and they've got, you know, got three children to manage as well. Um, yeah. And they, it, it just requires that little bit more extra effort to reach out to those types of people. We also um, work with One Million Mentors, um, oh, yeah. mentoring uh, children from disadvantaged backgrounds. I mentored somebody last year who was amazing. She'd come over from Pakistan. Um, she didn't speak great English initially. Um, she was desperate to be a software engineer. She wanted to go to Birmingham University to do software engineering. I introduced her to our software engineer, gave her lots of access to courses and materials, found her a Raspberry Pi to, to play with yes. in her spare time and mentored her over the course of a year. Um, she was so motivated to achieve her goals and, you know, and ultimately, hopefully she'll come back to Click as a graduate uh, once she's finished her course. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like, one of the big initiatives we, we run is... is it's called Rum News, which is obviously a strategy to bridge the digital skills gap. Um, and a big part of that, there's a couple of, there's a few objectives in there, but two of the ones that really stand out there um, in terms of the synergy of what you guys do. It's a perfect example of, of what others can do and what they can achieve on the businesses that is. But is one, how we get access. Um, we talk about digital poverty. Uh, I had a meeting with Birmingham Education Partnership and they guesstimate that anywhere from 10,000 to 15,000 students in the city don't have access to either yeah. connectivity or to hardware, mm. you know, like a, like a laptop, which yeah. you know, is frightening when you, when you think about those sort of numbers. Um, but also, you know, how, how do we really become more diverse? How do we become more inclusive? Um, and the tech industry is one of those industries. Um, you know, it's not this, it's not, not the only one, of course, uh, but, you know, where we, we need to get more diversity. And I'm not just talking about gender equality. I'm talking about diversity in terms of disability, you know, in terms of um, different um, ethnic backgrounds. It's, yeah. it's, a big, it's a big talking point. So having you talk about what you're doing and why, why we're so passionate about it, I think it's incredible. And it's, you, you can't story, to, you can't just tell people to do something. Right? That's not how the world works. But if you storytell um, and actually showcase real life examples, um, you guys are, are an inspiration um, and should be looked upon. As a, yeah, 
I mean, I, I absolutely think that we get as much out of doing this as um, as as the, the people who we work with. Um, yeah. But I also think it's you just have to have the right collective mindset. And, um, you know, we've always been a very equal opportunities employer. We've always been very respectful of difference. Um, we've always wanted to promote equality. Uh, we have a, a large number, I mean, we are a predominantly female organisation, but a large number of our very senior roles are, uh, uh, are filled by women. We have quite a lot of, di not enough, but quite a lot of diversity across our organisation. And I think we're very motivated to reach out in that way. Um, and it's, but I think it's really, I mean, your point about access is fascinating. I mean, I was talking to one of my senior people who, probably comes from a more disadvantaged background. I mean, you know, certainly if you can go to private school or, you know, um, not that traditional route. Um, but, and he said, you know, it's great doing this stuff, Jill, but a lot of the people you're trying to reach won't have access to the hardware and the connectivity to join that sort of thing. And I yeah. just thought, wow, you know, really? And actually, you know, I'd love to, you know, although we do good stuff and I think we do do good stuff I, I'd love to do more in that area to be honest because I, I sort of burn with it but especially when you're a parent I think I burn with indignation about the injustice that there is and the, the these the, you know bright children from disadvantaged areas really really losing out on the opportunities and you you know you sort of watch the sort of sharp elbowed nature of some some of the parents that sort of my kids you know you know and then and, and their their peers and you think you know who's you know who's fighting for these people and you know these people need to have a voice and need to have support um and that was why i would say you get as much out of it as as the individual i mean mentoring this woman and she was a young woman um last year who'd come over from pakistan and literally limited english and she said i am going to be a female software engineer i want i'm going to go to birmingham university i'm going to read computer studies and i'm going to you know that's what i'm going to do and i want to show everybody i can do this and i just thought my goodness me i am i am in awe you know because then she'd go home and she'd have to look after her four brothers because her mother was back in pakistan you know visiting a sick aunt or something i mean you know this was not easy stuff um yeah it takes it takes my breath away really yeah, what what people story? Um, yeah, it's it, it's tough. It's tough out that room. And um, but the more, as I've always said, the more allies are willing to support that network and, and, and help, um, you know, it, it's only going to do do good for for those communities. Um, so, okay, Brill, what about yourself then, Jill? What's um, what's lockdown been like for you uh, as a leader? And you know. How, how have you found it personally? Um, I think as a business and as a personal leader, we've faced quite a few challenges in the last few years um, mm. and which have taught us a collective resilience. Uh, and I think that as a leader, you uh, can strengthen your muscle in terms of resilience. Uh, so in a way, when this happened, I knew how to cope with it myself. I knew how to manage myself and yeah. how to uh, support and communicate with the rest of the team in order to 
uh, work to get the best out of them. And I think the other thing is, you know, there really is nothing like a crisis to bring people together. And, um, and it almost felt, Daniel, as though some, like every week there was a new challenge. It, was, it, was, it, was, it felt like, you know, it's a Monday morning, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is now how to work out, you know, how we're going to implement this furlough scheme that Richie announced, Rishi announced the previous Friday. Or, yeah. um, right, we've now got to work out because, um, you know, all our train suppliers have changed their cancellation terms and we've got to recode the API to enable it to be, you know, automated. And by the way, it'd be great if we could just do that in four hours, please, which is normally something like six weeks work. Or, you know, we have to now think about COVID security and hotels and we need to build a new filter into the platform that enables people to click on the right hotels to get COVID secure choices. And things that, you know, the business would normally have taken a while to make the decision to do and then implement we were launching new products in sort of two weeks uh, putting the marketing around it doing the press release uh, doing the webinars and uh, and getting up, up and running so you know and actually you know I, I won't lie some of it's very exhilarating um i enjoy it i, I you know I, I enjoy it i enjoy the challenges i have been regularly um attending a, a, a leader's circle uh, which KPMG have put together actually um, mm. on a Friday uh, with sort of CEOs and senior um, business people from the region. Uh, that's been incredible. It's been a really great touch point on a Friday Friday morning, uh, sort of 11 o'clock on a Friday. Sort of, it's my I call it my CEO group therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is actually great to exchange you know um, viewpoints with. Uh, people who are going through a similar thing albeit in a different industry um, and I think you know that that networking and support uh, can be really really helpful yeah I, th I think so I, I think so I think there's there definitely times where I felt a bit lonely mm. because you, you have to fight sometimes you feel like you have to be or act in a certain way because you're leaving in the front mm -hmm. actually the reality is that you're probably as, vul uh, as vulnerable uh, if not more vulnerable because of that yeah, absolutely. And I think you do have to present. I found it, um, you know, challenging to be at, at, to get the right combination of upbeat and, you know, sensitive about people's uh, feelings, because some people have been through tremendously tough time. You know, they might have lost loved ones. They might have been ill themselves. They might have uh, worries about the future. And yet at the same time, your role as a leader is to be positive and to paint a positive picture of the future. Um, and balancing those two things, I think, is, you know, continual balance to try and get that messaging right. Um, because you, it's wrong to be upbeat the whole time when things are this bad, you know, and it, you have to you have to be sensitive to the fact that some people are having a very, very, very tough time. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is. It's been it's been one of those as well where I think actually um, I've I've tried to promote where possible uh, that people talk about how they how they've been feeling. You know, there's nothing shameful um, about, or weak about um, about talking about how you're feeling. Um, and I think a lot of young people have suffered because of that. I think that onus and not needing to uh, talk about the way that they feel. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know if you if you can do that and show your human side, but also I think you, you can't completely fall apart because you have to show that you've 
you know how to manage this business and you know how to manage the way forward. Yeah. So getting that balance right. So what do you think has been your toughest challenge over, over the last few months? I think um, managing and supporting our customers um, through this period, uh, particularly at a time when for the business there's been very little revenue coming in. I mean, our customers still need us at the end of the day. Um, yeah. we've, we have customers who you know, run care homes, uh, who are NHS trusts, police forces, uh, construction companies, and you know, they, need, they need us to be there for them. They needed us to be there for them at the beginning and they were locked down and relocating and having to get back to the UK and they needed us to find hotels when all that there really were no hotels and ringing hotels and saying, will you please open for this customer because they're bringing four people down tonight and we need somebody to, and they need somewhere to eat and just getting down to those real basics um, yeah. and just being there for our customers and getting that right because we want to be there for our customers. Our customers have been very loyal to us over many, many years. And we, 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 this now is the time to repay that loyalty um, and uh, ensure that we're there for them. Um, and, and launching those new products and pivoting our, our organization to support uh, traveler safety uh, and, and enable as much information as possible on the platform so that people can make COVID secure choices and building that in record time uh, has been a real challenge, uh, but it's, a, it's been a fun challenge as well. And with the, the feedback we've got from customers has been brilliant, you know, and, uh, and they're really grateful for the support that we've given them. Yeah, no, good, good, I'm, I'm really pleased. And, and I suppose, what, what's been your biggest learn from, from, from all of this? Um, I think, you know, I probably already touched on it. Don't assume furlough is fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at a lot of times during this time, I might have I might have given three weeks, or I might have given anything for three weeks off, and to sit on my patio reading a book or whatever. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, I know our business is going to succeed. I know we've got the capital behind us and the, and the revenue and the and the and the backing to 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 really succeed and be a stronger player coming out of this. But not everybody has the the, the insight into that to know that. And so it's, it, you know, it's reassure, being realistic, but reassuring people so that they can see uh, a positive picture of the future as well. Um, you know, because it's terrifying uh, to see what's been happening and, uh, and easy to think the worst at all times. Uh, so just being, being transparent and, and, and helping people to understand, you know, what the future might look like. Um, yeah, and, and you know, people love, love being at work. And when work is a big part of people's lives, whereas people at Click, you know, they genu genuinely enjoy working with us and for us. Uh, and we're a very family sort of organisation. Having that taken away from you and just being asked to sit at home, even if it's at full, on full pay, is, uh, you know, it can, it can take a, a real um, rung out of people's lives and uh, and so we've we've done what we can to support people through that and uh, look out for people and make sure that people are okay during this time yeah oh jill I've, I've got to say i mean if you ever have a job at quick travel please let me know i mean it sounds okay <laughs> sounds like a great uh no a really great place to work but more importantly you know your social responsibility and the way that you embrace the community i think you're, you're such a great role model for, for a lot of other businesses out there we, we do have quite a lot of people who say that to us, I have to say. Quite a lot of our customers say, 
gosh, I really wish I worked at Click Travel, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. you know, it's really lovely that they say that and uh, and really mean it as well. And we do a lot of work with our customers, um, you know, customers who talk to us about their engagement challenges, um, you know, many of them sort of very large customers and uh, and how we do what we do and what they can what 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 they can learn from what we do um so yeah no we like to we like to help them where we can with that with that stuff because we we live and breathe it click yeah and i think it's a testament as to uh you know you and the, the identity of not only the way that you treat customers but evidently how you treat your your staff um, yeah so. i mean I came into this organization, this organization was founded by two brothers who were absolutely living and breathing this from day one. And certainly, you know, it's still a family, a majority family owned business. And when, when we, when we started up the, you know, when, when lockdown happened, our, our first thought was we want to be able to support our staff as much as we can through this. And so where we can possibly afford to do so, we want to pay them in full because, you know, I mean, our, you know, the founder said to me, I can remember those days when I couldn't pay my credit card bill or I couldn't, you know, I didn't know if I'd be able to pay the rent and it's a horrible feeling and I don't want people at Click to feel like that. So, you know, there have been some sad times and there've been some difficult decisions, but as much as possible, we try and live by, by supporting the people who, who work with us and give us their loyalty. Yeah, fantastic. Really, really, really good. Um, so lastly, um, what do you think the future holds for businesses post sort of COVID and I say post COVID, we're post lockdown as it stands, touch wood. Uh, but yeah, what does the future hold? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I mean, there is no question that um, the way people think about work and the way people think about travel will change. I mean, I, I think that's absolutely obvious. And when you overlay sustainability agenda as well, put the two together, I think yeah. um, people are going to... Uh, my, my view of the way people should travel in the future is they should travel mindfully, i.e. they should recognise that travel and business travel and meeting people for business is an essential part of work. And there is, you lose something by not having that. But yes. please, think, please think about when you make those trips, let's make them with the right partners supporting you with the right safety measures in place and with the right sustainability. Um, and that way we will all travel safely and sustainably in the future. Um, in, fact, as, in terms of click, I mean, we're, we're, as I said, our focus on domestic travel as, as, as it will save us through this pandemic because domestic travel is already coming back. Um, we don't, yeah. you know, obviously quarantines are not good for anybody in travel, um, but uh, less relevant than, you know, we, we need to get people traveling in hotels, on trains uh, and, uh, and, and getting back into offices as well. I mean, we reopened our office in August. And we wanted to take a leadership position on that because, you know, we want to see people back in those offices, supporting the local businesses around Birmingham that rely on those offices um, and, uh, and getting, getting a buzz around the place as well. Uh, so we've done that and, uh, and people are in the office every day now and we're, we're looking to, uh, to grow that in September. We've got a great team in place at the end of the day. Um, we're working very hard on a strategy for the future, which we will um, unveil to staff in September. And, uh, and just, just really looking to grow and grow and take on more customers and, uh, and enjoy the future. Jill, what an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you for uh, taking the time to speak with us today. If people 
might want to reach out and hear a little bit more about Click Travel um, and, and you know what, what you guys are doing both internally and for the community. What's the best way that people might be able to reach out to yourselves? So if you Google Click Travel and go on the platform, there's an intercom live chat button you can click and you can find out more about Click there. Otherwise, Google me, um, Google me through LinkedIn and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd be delighted to talk to anybody further. Brilliant. Jill, thank you very, very much. Um, yeah, what, what, what a fascinating story. And it's, it's been really, really, really good. Oh, uh, good. So insightful. Oh, I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. And, and so, so sorry for not, you know, getting in touch sooner. I totally missed your LinkedIn. <laughs>